0: Hello everybody, welcome back to Two Bye Guys, continuing this series about bisexual married men, which is related to my book, Bisexual Married Men, Stories of Relationships, Acceptance and Authenticity. I'm very excited today to be joined by the first oral history chapter interviewee in my book. His name in the book is Gregory, I believe. Is that right? And But his real name is Charles. So welcome to 2 guys. Charles, nice to see you. It's good to see you too. Thanks
1: for having me on here.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you again. And uh, I'm so excited you're in the book. Like You were one of the last people to be included and you ended up as chapter one of the interviews and uh and we met at by request and as yeah. when i told you about this project and i had like one or basically uh, you know one maybe one or two more interviews i needed and you fit the bill and we're happy to do it and i'm so glad it worked out
1: same i was really um so excited that you were doing the uh that you were Embarking on the project, you know, hearing about it, and, you know, it, it sort of really fed into the reason why I go to buy requests, right, to have a, a place to sort of talk about what it means to be um, a buy man and a buy man who's married and, and, you know, why and how that fits into my life. And so it was, it was a really, I was really glad that you were working on the project.
0: Cool. I'm so excited to share it with everyone. Um, It's interesting, like I, now that I'm here with you, this isn't on my list of questions, but I didn't know what order I would put them in. And then I think part of why I decided to put yours first is it really just encompassed a lot of different things that many people I think have been through. Not your unique situation, your, your story is quite unique especially your childhood and your family and there's lots of interesting stuff in there but the ways that different things connected back to your sexuality and the ways that you came out I just thought were really um, a good intro to this experience and a good representation I'm curious when you read it back when I sent you the Mm -hmm. chapter and you read it back how did that feel reading it or what went through your mind
1: I thought you would, uh, the first thing that went through my mind was like, wow, uh, Rob really made my uh, story sound really pretty good. So I was really grateful <laughs> for that. Um, but it, it, it's really helpful to, to, to really see my story reflected back at me, you know, and it's a lot of things that, you know, um, I think about obviously all the time that I experience, have experienced, but you know, to to sort of see myself reflected back at me through someone else's perspective, right? Taking mm-hmm. the things that we talked about, but but really, um, you mm-hmm. using you know your experience and um, your talents as a writer to sort of bring that back. I, I actually was really humbled in a way. You know, um, I I've been doing a lot of writing recently. And um, one of the things that I've been thinking, you know, just for myself, um, not plan to be a writer, but one of the things that I, I've, I've been really thinking about is this concept of who wants to hear your story, right? Like your story, you know, is your story unique enough to be compelling and, and can people learn things from you, from, from you? And, you know, I, I, get very self-conscious about that. Like, you know, I haven't done anything monumental or, or, you know, changed the world in any way. And so to sort of see me there, um, and to think about it in the context of the larger book was, was very humbling. And I was like, Oh, this is really nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is really interesting. And like, I, I, I think about that a lot too, of like, what, what stories in me are, are vital to share and what's the audience for them and, and yeah, who's, who's caring about this. And, uh, and I think these stories are so hidden and invisible that there is a real need to share them. Even when, you know, you talk about yourself, maybe it sounds like not the most exciting story in the world or, or not the, I don't know. uh, I'm not thinking of yours specifically, but it's just like life stuff. But actually, there's so there's a lot of challenges and joys and and conflict and solutions and so many other people going through similar things that would benefit from just seeing that and hearing about it, um, even if it seems kind of normal. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited you shared it. Can you tell us like so? There's going to be a lot more in the book. Everyone should read this chapter, but. Give us the cliff notes of like, how did you realize you were bi? What was your your bisexual journey?
1: Well, I think I I really knew from a um, pretty young age, um, certainly in my teens, that I was attracted to men. But you know, I was in my younger age, I was a serial monogamist. I dated, you know, women for years and then you know then I would we would break up and then I would date another woman for years and so it was just never um a thing that I acted on it was funny because I was looking um as an aside recently um I was looking over the Black Friday weekend doing some shopping and I was looking for some you know, fun underwear to wear to, you know, parties and events and stuff. And then I was like, oh, and then in my mind popped international mail catalog, right? And it was this, if you don't know what it is, in the 90s, it was this, you know, men's uh, underwear catalog, like an actual catalog that you got. (laughs) And I remember, uh, like, getting it, and, like, that was one of those, like, sort of, without actually having pornography, right? Like you could see yeah. really hot guys in uh-huh. sexy underwear, right? Like kind of thing. Um, so that was always, you know, since I was a teenager a thing, and it really wasn't until college and right after college that, you know, um, I actually had any opportunity to do anything sexual with a man. Um, and I just knew, you know, it was so comfortable because I knew so many queer folks in college um, and after college, and you know, I moved to San Francisco, and and so I just felt comfortable. And most of my friends kind of thought it was a thing that was going to happen with me anyway. <laughs> you know, like they, were just, <laughs> they were just waiting. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and so you know that's really how it sort of just developed over time
0: yeah it's funny you mentioned the underwear catalog you're not the first person in this interview series even to mention <laughs> underwear ads as a buy uh awakening for me it was um for me it was the bags from abercrombie and fitch And the the bags always had usually men and women in very little clothing. And, and I would save the bags and look at them. And in my head, I was like, Oh, I'm attracted to the women. And, and like the guys are just there, but looking back, uh, I was attracted to everyone on those bags. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Did you struggle with accepting this about yourself at any point or was it natural when you started exploring it
1: well i mean i I, well when when i started exploring it 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 felt natural um but i will say right like it was because i had these long-standing really intense relationships with women um it was easy for me to not engage with Mm -hmm. that right and at that time i mean not that it's super easy now to, to live your own truth in terms of your sexuality, um, but it's easier than it was in the 80s and 90s, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I probably had read, like, the Kinsey Report and the Height Report and all those things, and I was like, oh, you know, there's some level of 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 it being natural to find both sexes attractive, right? There's nothing inherently different, you know, or, or, um, special about that. And, you know, and I really do love these women and I'm so into them sexually and everything else that it was sort of just like an easy thing to not engage with, you know, it was sort of a cop-out almost in the end, um, to think about like, oh, you know, whatever. And like I said, like, I just was probably in the most comfortable environment (laughs) to, to come out, um, you know, with friends of mine, many of whom were queer, in San Francisco, like running a theater co- company. It's like, <laughs> Jesus, could you, could you, could, could I make it any more comfortable, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, to to start exploring that, and and almost then it was like, well, I can, you know, come out as bi or own up to this because. Um then I'll be even cooler to all these people. <laughs> right. The was, right? <laughs>
0: if you're running a theater company in San Francisco, it's probably weird to be straight. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: like, you know, the boring guys I was like, wait, yeah. wait, "Wait, wait, hold on. I'm not quite quite as uh vanilla as you think." So <laughs> um so yeah, it was it was once that happened, then it was just easy. Yeah.
0: Cool. And then how out were you when you met your wife? And if you could tell us a little bit about how your sexuality has factored into that relationship.
1: Well, it was interesting because at the point in time when I met my wife, I was in a place where I wasn't really dating period. Um, you know, I had just, I'm trying to get my timeline straight. Um, because at this point like oh I've been, I've been together for so long it's like you know BC
0: and AD like <laughs> I barely
1: remember what, a time before that
0: how long have um, you been together uh,
1: just about 20 years wow cool uh yeah
0: um
1: you know but I it was I was in a period of really just not dating I was working a lot and you know um for whatever reason I just wasn't in that headspace um and we met at work started working there um you know so i wasn't it wasn't like a it's this is one of the things that i i often think about still now and i talk about by we we all of us talk about by requests is like you know at what point does it does being by matter that you bring it up right Mm -hmm. like and it's a thing that you know as i was going into any relationship, I wanted to make sure that whomever the person was would know, right? But do you lead with that? Do you bring it up? Four months? In? Like, what is the appropriate time? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if the contours of your relationship are going to be monogamous, right? Like, do you even need to bring it? Like, what is it gonna matter? But to me, it was always important to at least have that level of authenticity for myself. Right. So it was less of, Oh, you need to know this about me for you. It was more that I want you to know this about me for me Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so that, you know, like if I want to say we're watching a movie and we're like, Oh my God, they're both so hot or just whatever dumb thing. Right. Like I don't want to have to be, closeted to the person who I'm sharing my life with right like just seemed
0: right
1: it seems destructive um, to me and to the relationship so that was I'm trying to remember how early on I mean I think I sort of brought it up initially nonchalantly and just sort of like talking about you know various relationships and experiences I had and and then being like oh yeah you know oh yeah i didn't tell you about that before oh yeah uh-huh i'm, I'm by too like, you know, like oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know and it was a little bit of a of a um a, a, i don't want to say an adjustment but like you know that had to sink in
0: uh-huh you kind you of know, eased her. into coming out in a way
1: uh, yeah yeah and you know and, and Oh, or, I, you know, my, my whole thing was like, I'm just going to say this, right? Like if we're talking about past relationships, I'm just going to say this like it was normal because you know what? It's normal. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and let's see how that goes over. Uh-huh. Um, and again, that was a a, a way of thinking um, for, for everyone who reads the chapter in the book that was sort of given to me by my love of Hello Kitty, right? Like just yeah. own it. Like if, if, if you love it and it's who you are just wear it on your sleeve or just approach it like it's normal and you know what right. nine times out of ten people will be like oh yeah right and that's what happened so yeah
0: do you still have some hesitation around like uh it being totally normal because you you said that and i hear you and but you laughed at, at what you said like what goes through your mind uh when you think about that well, it's funny because what I do, one of the things
1: that I still am working on is trying to separate my sexuality from sexual activity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I often think about is like, you know, now bringing it up with someone I'm going to be in a relationship with or someone who's a really good friend of mine is one thing, but like, you know, when I think about it in terms of work and colleagues and, you know, and I work in education at a school, like, you know, my whole thing is like, well, what my sex life is should stay out of school. But like, cause, and I think about this, I go back and forth about this. It's really complicated I don't go around to telling people like, Oh, Hey, I'm straight. Right. Like, right. or like no one does that. Right. Um, you know, when people know I'm married and I feel like in, in certain contexts, that's all you need to know. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, I sometimes feel like, well, am I, you know, you get in your head. It's like, well, am I ashamed of this? Am I hiding it? It's like, well, no, it's just like, what is the reason I'm bringing this up in this context? Mm -hmm. Right. But at the same time, like I went to some Halloween parties, met some people and, you know, if it comes up in conversation, I have no problem. Saying, mm. it, right. Like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, I'm by because, you know, it makes sense in that context. So it still seems complicated because, because the only way to, to not the only way, I don't want to say that that's, that's incorrect. But one of the predominant ways that it would, that being bi would manifest itself for me right now is if, you know, um, I'm speaking about an attraction to, about a man or um, having some sort of sexual interaction with a man. And I just don't feel like that's, everyone doesn't need to know about all of those things about me all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Same, you know, about any relationship I would have, I would have with a woman. Right.
0: Right. It makes a lot of sense. And it's like all the, the issues you're talking about. It's like you can see both sides of the coin and neither one is a hundred percent correct. And you're, you're finding like, where is the balance of this is important to me. And, and like you want to be visible when appropriate, but also not necessarily be talking about sexuality to everyone you meet. Yeah, That is kind of the struggle for bi people because we, It can be erased and invisible when you're married to a woman. So it's like, when do, when is it important to share? When do you not want to be invisible? Do you remember how your wife reacted at the time or then, and then beyond that, what's, what's her view?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely um, remember I mean, there was that moment of, I think, a little bit of shock, right? A surprise. Like, oh, like, I was not expecting that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I do, you know, she had, and I hate putting, attributing motivation and feelings to people when they can't do it themselves, but I do think that there was that um, little bit of fear that people who have by folks as partners of like well does that mean you're gonna need to cheat on me or exercise that part of your sexuality if we're in a committed relationship right so Mm -hmm. there it goes pretty quickly to that worry right um you know And I think, you know, so many of us experience that, whether or not you're, you know, if I was in a relationship with a man, there would be that sort of thing. And, you know, it was just sort of like, well, will you need to sort of indulge in, in like, you know, your attraction to the, for men, you know, is that a thing that is, um, you know, a necessity, right? And, And I think, you know, and it was not for me um, at all, honestly. Um, but, you know, that's a fear that comes up. And, you know, we talk about this in, you know, in buy requests almost every month, you know, um, someone, mm-hmm. you know, you think about that. And um, and if you're in a relationship with them, you know, if you're a man in a relationship with a man, like how they you know might think, oh, this is, you're, you're gonna leave me for a woman, as soon as you, you know, you get the first opportunity and, you know, there's always that sort of stigma, not always, but there's often that stigma mm-hmm. that, you know, being by correlates to being somehow, um, untrustworthy or that you're going to cheat or duplicitous or something or greedy or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how how did you guys work through that? Was, was it a long struggle?
1: No, it wasn't a struggle at all, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, initially it was not a struggle at all. I mean, like I said, I, I, at that point was a real serial monogamous, you know, like to me, like, you know, one relationship, all I wanted and had the bandwidth for you know Um, even when I was young like I never emotionally right like that connection is uh uh with like a, a romantic love relationship with someone you know I put a lot into it and it takes a lot you know out of me especially given you know my close relationship with my family and My friends, you know, it's a lot of places to spread sort of your emotional self, right? So I didn't need um, to have multiple relationships. And I've never been a person who was driven by sex, you know, like, I obviously enjoy well. That's not obvious, but I enjoy sex a lot. Uh, you know, you have to recalibrate how you how you think and say about everything. The language you use nowadays, you know. I mean, it's just, <laughs> and, it's, and I think I think it's important, and I think it's good, right? Like, and I need to remind myself, like, you know, that's not a you know a thing, right? Like,
0: you know, and that's good. But what do you um, what do you mean by recalibrating these days? What do you mean?
1: Well, like I I feel like. You know, we just, our language and our perspectives have evolved to encapsulate so many more to really give descriptors to, voice to, so many different ways of being, so many um, ways of living, um, so many different ways of loving um, that, you know, 20, 30 years ago existed, right? But we just didn't engage with them um, or think about them or discuss them in the way that we do now, right? And like, you know, I, you know, even though for myself, right, like I, um, you know, like I said, I enjoy sex, but I, I, don't, I, I don't need to have, I can go long periods of time without having sex. i be totally fine. Right. I can't go forever. <laughs> right. Um, but like, you know, if it's two months, three months, I, it does not bother me. Right. It mm-hmm. does not bother me. And that's a whole other conversation between me and my therapist. Right. But like, <laughs> but there's, but you know, that, that is what it is. Right. Um, and so, you know, those were things that you know, initially at the at the outset of our relationship just were like, nope. It's just me and you and that's all it needs to be and I'm fine with that. Um and that's how it was. Uh-huh.
0: So you say that in the past tense. Has has that <laughs> yes. evolved? Do you want to talk about how that's evolved?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it involved it evolved, but not for anything that has to do with me being by per se, right? like that's just changing dynamics in our relationship and where we are um, individually in terms of sex. And like I said, like I can go a period of time without it, but I can't go indefinitely without it. and we just, you know, and again, like I hate, I am very conscious about um, you know, putting my wife's experiences and perspectives through my mm-hmm. lens right I've, i'm very especially on a platform like this so i won't I won't go too much into it from from her end but like you know um and that was really challenging right to just be in in sort of radically different places where we are but still be in an incredibly committed loving relationship where like i don't i think neither of us really imagine wanting to be with another person for the rest of our lives right Mm -hmm. like in this way so you know in part of what's really great about the 21st century is that like we talk you know you become more cognizant of oh there are other ways that you can do this and there's no right way or wrong way it's the it's the way that works for you, right?
0: Um,
1: and so, we were able to move to an open relationship, but not. I always say it's not polyamory because, like I said, I still am in a place where I don't need other long-term romantic partner. Like I, right. I don't know how people do it. Right. <laughs> Right. like I'm tired. I'm tired hearing it. <laughs> you
0: know, yeah. Like, yeah. Really well, nice. I think it's, uh, th- I mean, there's this huge sort of, I-, I guess I'll call it a myth or, but there's this huge sort of perception of, under heteronormativity that rom- romantic attraction and sexual attraction have to be tied together always. And that they're one and the same and that when you're monogamously married, you only love one person and you only have sex with one person and they're this it's the same thing and what you're saying sort of is a reminder that that these things are interrelated but they don't necessarily operate in identical ways and that it's very possible and in fact very common for people to be monogamous in terms of emotional and romantic connection but not sexually monogamous Does that resonate with, with your experience?
1: Absolutely. And it's, and one of the things I have to be really, um, which is a challenge, you know, um, really cognizant of is being very upfront about that, right. About being, you know, and that doesn't mean I can't have a, a, a close relationship with people I might sleep with. Right. Like you could be friends or you could, you know, whatever, but, you know, when it comes to the, the person who is, has all of my, not all of it, but like most of my emotional and romantic energy, it's this person, you know, it's my wife, and that's how it's going to be, and, you know, it's just, you know, communication in any of, with everyone involved, right, when you're talking about any form of non-monogamy, in my opinion, is the key, the critical factor to making it work, ever.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What did you learn, if anything, about yourself by participating in this project?
1: Well, one is, I think I did learn to be to get over a little bit of the fear of you know even though unlike some other folks that you have in the book who are you know more visible than I will be um you know I'm sort of like oh you know like I I don't have to worry too much about like oh what if someone from work hears this or you know like oh you know it's just not that scary (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. just not that scary. Um, And I think that was uh, really a good thing.
0: Cool. Cool. I love that that's, that's your answer to that question. Cause like I've had the exact same experience uh, when, when asked to put myself out there, it's scary and, and I've done it and every time I've done it, it's, it's rewarding and you know not that there's nothing to think about and no that the fears were yeah. unwarranted there there are things to think about but um most of the fears have have not come true and the benefits have been greater and i think
1: that's the important piece right it's like um yeah any you know all decisions we make um have benefits and consequences right and some of them are very minimal in terms of consequences, or or almost nil, right? But um, you know, there's a there's a for me, there's a sense that like oh, you know, like being part of a of a project like this in a book like this um, is a way, right? That you know, even though um, being by isn't the the center of my day to day life that I can, you know, put myself out there and, and maybe, like you said, something about uh, my story could resonate resonate with someone else or they could find um, some comfort in knowing, oh yeah, I'm not alone in this particular thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also just gives me an opportunity to, to practice being authentically me, which is always great.
0: Yeah, beautiful, love it. Um, What's something that you wish you had realized or understood sooner about bisexuality or relationships?
1: I think I wish, um, I certainly wish I, when I was a teenager, um, you know, my late teens, like 17, 18, I had realized that again, that there was, there could be this, separation between being bi and then having sex with both men and women. Right. Uh-huh. Like that. I could have just come to terms or just like sort of incorporated it as a piece of myself, even to myself earlier, uh-huh. you know, cause in my mind was like, well, I'm not going to fool around with a guy. So why do I even just the fact that I, you know, Find guys attractive, and they're, you know, that doesn't really, that's nothing if I'm not going to do anything uh-huh. about it, right? Uh-huh. Man, that's not exactly right, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I wish I'd just, you know, um, get given, have given myself the uh permission to inhabit that a little bit more earlier on,
0: yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So along those lines, these days, how do you think your sexuality affects your life outside of sex? Like aside from actually having sex, how does it influence your life or come into play?
1: I don't, I, you know, it's a good question. And I don't know if my sexuality um, has that much. uh, I mean, you know, like I'm much more Especially as I'm meeting people, right, new people, and if I'm meeting people in social situations, you know, I'm I feel much more uh, comfortable, you know, inhabiting my inhabiting my sexuality, whatever that means, whatever that looks like in the moment, right? Or talking about it, or you know, and I'm much more upfront about it, um, you know. But it's not, if anything, I think my perspective on my gender has a lot more impact in my day-to-day than my sexuality
0: oh tell us more about that
1: well (laughs) um you know it's funny because i was talking about this um in therapy um and you know and it's one of those things where like i've always viewed myself as um you know like oh i'm a cis male right like that's just what i am and but it's not actually all i am and Mm -hmm. um and i was you know and i was talking about this again it's sort of like with the you know being attracted to to guys you know when i'm younger like I, i i remember all throughout college and all throughout you know the early 90s you know my you know there was this term it was like metrosexual right and it was used to sort of as a as a a label to talk about men who cared about things that were viewed as traditionally feminine like your skin and how you looked and being pretty and and like every single person i knew (laughs) would say to me oh yeah you're you're that (laughs) right like Back then, and again, it was like, well, yeah, like you know, um, I have always been drawn. So I, I, I'm being very. This is not. I'm not being very clear about <laughs> this because uh, it's not very clear right. to me in my mind. So, but, but makes sense. You know, it's just like where I am in that space along that continuum of masculinity, femininity, and other. Right. I'm not, I'm in between labels, but in the, in the absence of a label, like, you know, I just present how I present and I am how I am. Um, and it is, and it's always interesting to see how people receive that, uh-huh. you know, because they receive that first more than they receive any news about who I might sleep with, mm. <laughs> you know. Mm.
0: What kinds of things do you think they pick up on? What do you mean?
1: Well, it always starts, If it, it will always begin if I am wearing, I'm not today, but like if I am wearing something um, that has healthy okay. on it. So that's what I thought you might her. say. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, because that's always the thing. You're like, And then someone will say to me, oh, I love Hello Kitty too. And then I immediately like fanboy slash fangirl out on it. And then I'm like, and so, and it is like, you know, a thing that is probably as far as from traditional masculine as you can get, Mm -hmm. you know, in that moment. Um, And it's a very superficial thing, but it it is the, the easiest sort of example. And there are other things I feel like that I am, you know, in in how I am that are similar to that. Um, You know, just in yeah, like in in what I feel like I feel comfortable with. You know, there's not a ton of things that are traditionally masculine that I feel really comfortable with. Uh (laughs) You know, like you know. Um, And so you know, what, what does that
0: mean? Mm-hmm.
1: You know, right. I do think it means something in terms of what my gender identity is, but you know, it's not so clear cut.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense, even though it's very nebulous, but that's, yeah. that, that's yeah. where you're are and sorting through it. So that makes a lot of sense, actually. Do you, how do you think your bisexuality affected your conception of gender or your, your views of your masculinity these days?
1: I think it really helped me, you know, like so many things for me, like I'm multiracial, you know? um, So there's a spectrum there, you know, bisexual. So there's a spectrum there. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I was grew up poor and now I'm not so there's a spectrum of experience there so like everything else it just sort of helped me like my bisexuality helped me sort of understand that like oh like there's multiple ways to be um, and it even if it doesn't make sense to me right now it certainly doesn't need to 100% makes sense to everyone else. Um, And it is just who you are, right? Um, You know, and I continue to work at, like, giving voice to it, because I'd like to in some way. And I know some amazing people who have just, like, gotten it down for themselves. Like, they can sort of put words to how they feel and how they, you know... And I'm like, oh, that's so great. Like, (laughs) you know, I want to get to that place, Um, you know. But it really, you know, being bi really just sort of helps you fit into that, uh, get into that space where it's like, yeah, I don't have to be fit into this one thing or another thing.
0: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and just embrace whatever is there and your authentic self. Thanks for listening to this episode with Charles. There are more than 10 minutes of bonus material on Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash Robert Brooks Cohen. I asked Charles what he hopes people will take from his story or get out of it. We circled back to that question of how important is his bisexuality or his queerness in a straight passing relationship and like when is it important? And I also asked him how his queerness brings him joy and his answer was really beautiful but you'll have to head to Patreon to hear it this time. We talked a lot about authenticity and being your unique weird self and learning to embrace that highly recommend it. There's no video for this episode, unfortunately. Well, there is video, but it's just of me. But there is bonus material, so head to patreon.com slash robertbrookscohen for that. Thank you so much to everyone there who has subscribed. Thank you also to everyone who has purchased my book, Bisexual Married Men, Stories of Relationships, Acceptance, and Authenticity, and especially to those who have posted about it on social media, on Instagram. I love seeing it. I'm so excited to see what you guys connect with and what you think of the book. If you haven't received your copy yet, I'm sure you'll get it soon. If you haven't ordered it, get on that. It's on my website, robertbrookscohen.com. We'll be back the next few weeks in December with more of these interviews with subjects from the book. And now here's the very tail end of my conversation with Charles. Thanks for listening. Well, it's been great to chat with you again, Charles. I'm so excited that you're in the book and that everyone can hear this and hear you here. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for everyone to read your chapter.
1: Yeah, and I will probably see you at the center.
0: Cool, which will be in the past when this episode airs, but yeah. hopefully you all were there and you saw Charles in person. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, thank you again for being here. This was great.
1: Yeah, same here. It was so good to see you.
0: Two Bye Guys is produced and edited by me, Robert Brooks-Cohen, and it was created by me and Alex Boyd. Our logo art is by Caitlin Weinman. Our music is by Ross Mincer. We are supported by The Gotham, and we are part of the Zencaster Creator Network. Visit patreon.com slash robertbrookscohen for bonus content, early access, and exclusive video episodes. Thanks for listening to Two Bye Guys.